Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Matt Smith and Kyle Reese. Hey, feeling good, like I should. Been in the blue, go down the neighborhood. How you feeling? Feeling blessed. Never stressed. Maybe, maybe a little stressed. Not right now, though. You're hanging out with Matt Smith and Kyle Reese on Denver Sports Station 104.3. The fan, thanks so much for hanging out with us this Sunday morning. Join in on the Ramoslaw.com text line, 303-713-1043. And by the way, if you miss any of the Matt and Kyle show, on denversports.com or wherever you get your podcasts, under the Fan Weekends podcast, you can catch us and Dan Jacobs, as well as any of our fan post-game or pre-game shows as well, online at denversports.com, again, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Kyle, it's that time. It's everybody's favorite game. Guess who popped up in Boulder this week? Was this like Hollywood Squares? Or- Starting to feel like that, yeah. Starting to feel like that. Terrell Owens was down at practice, not just for a day. Oh. T.O., the entire week. What was he doing in Boulder for a whole week? He was at practice helping out on the field with the receivers. And when I say helping out, I mean helping out. He was in cleats, had gloves on, going through some of the drills with guys, working through, you know, in and out of your breaks. This is what you want to do in your transition. He was even down on the ground picking up training equipment, making sure guys didn't trip and blocking. I'll tell you what, man. I was extremely impressed with how generous he was with his time. I, I Well, the thing about T.O. is that you can never question his work ethic. Man. Never. Not even now. He, he's he's coming up on 50, ain't he? Oh, yeah. Like, he's 48, I think. Yeah, he's pushing. Yeah, for sure. So, for him to he's just a little ahead of you. come out there and model that 49, yeah. for those guys. Jump over this table on you. <laughs> for him to come out and model that for those guys, I think it was good. I'll, I'm now wondering what the NCAA rules are for. Shh. Never mind. Shh. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> don't ask questions you don't know, you don't want to know the answers to. All right. I want to know the answers. No, you don't. Um, uh, KJ Hamler was also at practice. Former Broncos <laughs> receiver catching up with his former offensive coordinator Pat Shermer. I imagine Shermer was the one who extended the invite. He got to meet Prime and hang out and check out camp this week as well. So. Look, I mean, you want to talk about recruiting? Terrell Owens coming out to practice, an NFL Hall of Famer, one of the best to ever do it, coming out to practice and helping you out all week. I would say that's a good tiebreaker in some situations if for some reason it came to that. Right? Yeah, no, no, it's another feather in the cap for sure. It, it's a cool little perk, man. You, you like the swag factor? It, yeah, yeah, it yeah, raises it. There's a ton there. There's a ton. And, yeah, is it a cool little wrinkle? Yeah, because you're not getting that anywhere else in the country. That's just the truth. Yeah. So uh, very cool to see that T.O. was up there. And like I said, he was up there all week actually helping out. So maybe we'll end up seeing some of those benefits provided here later coming up this season. And we're just a couple Saturdays away, by the way. Where does T.O. rank for you? He's top five. Okay. Yeah. I don't really want to go through all that right now. Uh, major storylines <laughs> Major storylines that come out in practice. He's not, he's not top three, but he's top five. I'm a huge T.O. fan. Yeah, I'm a That's huge T.O. fan, too. Did you ever watch the T.O. Cho show? The show he had with Chad Ochocinco? No. It was a good one back in the day. Shows. I'm good. Yeah, he did. He also had the T.O. show, yeah. too. I saw that one as well. I like T.O. too, man. All right, major storylines to come out of Boulder this week. The offense continues to blossom under Shadur Sanders. Teammates continually raving about him and his leadership. And one thing that I've noticed since he stepped out 
to campus, since he got to campus, rather, he, he's becoming much more vocal. And he's not a guy that I, I believe has typically been a vocal leader, but they're asking that of him, and he's responding. So that's it's very encouraging for me, Kyle, because with this group of so many new kids, you need those voices. And if that dude is going to be anointed by his dad, Coach Prime, as the guy, you better back it up. And we're starting to see some signs of not just what he's doing on the field, but as far as his leadership qualities really starting to blossom. To whom much is given, much is required. And Coach Prime has made no bones about him being the guy that leads this team to any type of success this year. He he knows it's on his back. So, yeah, I, I would anticipate that he grows into that role and, and, and getting those guys. And he's the one with the most familiarity. He's been there, right? He, sure. He, he was recruit number one. Right, right, you basically. I mean? Basically. So, yeah, yeah. He, he might have picked out the OC, too. Who knows? We'll get back into the Broncos here coming up in just a minute. They lose to the 49ers last night, 21-20. to 20. Uh, But going back to Shadour, it's becoming more clear than ever that this offensive line is the X factor. If the defense is the wild card for the CU team this year, that O-line is the X factor. And they got a bit of bad news this week as one of their most prominent transfers, Tyler Brown at guard. He was coming over with Coach Prime from Jackson State. Now, this is a kid that is in the situation of being an upperclassman and having to apply for a second transfer waiver, but not being a graduate transfer. Does that make sense? So a second transfer waiver before he graduated, meaning he's not a grad transfer. The NCAA is really not granting many of those waivers and not not approving them. A lot of these kids around the country are coming out on social media and saying they're getting those denied. And unfortunately, Tyler Brown, who projected to be one of CU's best offensive linemen, is caught in that snag right now. And unfortunately, at practice, he's having to run with the twos because as Coach Bill O'Boyle, the offensive line coach, said to me this week, he said, look, we, we can't afford it. we got to get guys ready. we got a game in a couple of weeks. Yeah, listen, it's one of the few lines that's being drawn by the NCAA in this whole new era of transferring that we're witnessing. Uh, and, and yeah, you know, now had he been a graduate, that's a completely different conversation. But the fact that he didn't, man, these guys are, he's a two-time loser now. And as a result, wait, wait, man, just throwing a shot, just throwing a shot. It's not no, his fault. No, the NCAA didn't approve no, his, his. No, waiver. it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a tough situation, right? Because mm-hmm. he's going to have to, he's going to have to Two-time loser is what you call him. Yeah. Why? It's the second time around that he's transferring, right? Why is that a yeah, loser? Yeah, yeah. Why is that a loser? He, he just followed he, Coach Prime. Yeah, but he's not there. He's not there to do what he came for. Right, what and, you he's, mean? and he's helping. He's, he's what does that mean? To, he's there to help them win games this year, right? And he's not there. And to he's do, not. And he's not going to be able to. Yeah, do but that's that not his year. fault. It's not his fault, but it's still a loss. It's still an impact on the team. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, not his fault. Not his fault. No, I feel bad for those kids. It's just like the, it's the whole. Okay, I right, don't. Well, we can get into that I conversation. We can get into that conversation a little bit later. I believe if the coaches have freedom to move like that, it it is. I will say <clears throat> to your point, it is the NCAA's fail safe. And, uh, against kids just team hopping constantly. However, two times, uh, I don't have a big problem with twice. Now, if it's a situation where you're starting to really hop and go around, maybe you're applying for your third transfer waiver, and not, why don't you just take, <clears throat> excuse me, take a beat this year? Make, just me, my opinion. Let me make sure I'm understanding this. If it's your second transfer, this is now your third team. Right. Right. 
Got to draw the line somewhere, man. All right. All right. So it's been drawn there apparently right now. We'll wait to see if anything comes out on Tyler Brown. Outside of that, they've got a good group of six that are emerging up front as far as their offensive line. Depth, certainly a bit of a concern. They can't afford too many injuries, especially at tackle. But they've got a good group there. So hopefully those guys can keep number two clean because that is the key. As far as what's going on in practice, they had their second fall camp scrimmage yesterday, and freshman Dylan Edwards, who they flipped from Notre Dame, this kid every single day in practice feels like he's scoring a couple of touchdowns. Kyle, he's the water bug, five seven, about a you know buck eighty, you know soaking wet, maybe not even. I mean, he's a baller though. If he's a buck eighty, it's fifteen pounds that he's gained since he's been there. Well, that's a good point. So he might not be a bucky. He might be about like one hundred seventy pounds. But he can go, man. I mean, he can go. He's the home run hitter. And, He's the McLaughlin. Yeah, and yeah. And, and the guys in in uh, South Bend got to be just oh yeah they got to be reeling, pissed. man yeah they be that, <laughs> yeah that's tough yeah well that is one shining star as far as the freshman class is concerned but one guy that came in with a lot of expectations and Cormani McLean who was the top rated corner in this class it looks like things are just. It's moving moving fast. fast. It's just moving Moving fast, fast, man. So hopefully he can continue. But I believe that the Buffs are going to be looking for experience there, starting opposite of Travis Hunter. Uh, There's two other notes I want to mention here about the Buffs before we get out of here. Wide receiver depth continues to be, outside of Shadur, the storyline of training camp so far. They have legit dudes. Really, and the one I want to highlight this week is Xavier Weaver. Xavier Weaver came over from South Florida as well as Jimmy Horn Jr. did. Now, Weaver led South Florida in receiving last year. He was making plays all over the field yesterday at the scrimmage, and he just is one of those possession guys, good jump ball guy. He'll make a lot of plays for the Buffs. So, number three, Dylan Edwards. Number 10, Xavier Weaver. You're going to be seeing those guys making quite a few plays for the black and gold this fall. I I think this is really going to help out with the system that they want to run because if you can bring guys, skill guys in, in waves, think about the tempo and the pressure that puts on defenses, man. They legitimately have receivers in waves. They have too many. In fact, I want to say like 17% of their roster is receivers. I wish they had a little bit more, you know, OL you know, as far as younger prospects and maybe some offensive line development. Got some assets? You want to trade those guys? Yeah, maybe. You know, that'll be for next transfer portal, though. <laughs> we'll see if we can't offload a little bit of that. But, no, they have they have a ton of depth there. And then the other thing that's fascinating is, according to Prime, they may be kicking by committee this year. Hmm. They, um, define that, Prime. Okay. What, what is this? What's I will, going on? I'll here? tell you. I'll yeah. tell you. Because this is it's definitely a little bit strange. So, as far as different yardages goes, you know, different distances. They've got guys for different distances and for different hashes right now. I don't like that plan at all. However, it is only that plan because nobody has separated themselves from the pack, right? They brought in Alejandro Mata, who kicked for prime at Jackson State. It was a little questionable, in my opinion. He just doesn't have a huge leg. And Cole Becker, who was already in place, I'll tell you, Becker, I mean, he's playing at Utah for Kyle Whittingham now. So if Whittingham wants you... You can play some football, but the one kid I want to highlight is son of NFL kicker Jay Feely, Jace, J-A-C-E, Jace Feely. He drilled two from 58 yesterday in the scrimmage, pressure situations that would have both been good from 65, 66. The first one might have been good from 70. So the kid's got a leg. Yeah. Good I, bloodlines. I, I wonder with uh, with Mata, is it a, this is my guy. Yep, that's exactly deal, what it you know? is. And, and, and possibly you might be down the line admitting a mistake there because you put him on scholarship, right? Oh, yeah. So so you're you're using up a spot there when you've got a perfectly good guy in Feely, 
And uh, you might have to admit that you're wrong at some point there. Mm, I wouldn't hold your breath on that no, one for good Friday. But, but, and, and see, that's the big heart thing going. You know what I mean? He loves his guys, and I can appreciate that. But that kicker by committee thing, I, that, that don't typically work. Out. The last player I want to highlight, we talked about potential issues in stopping the run. Last year they were a wet paper bag. I mean, oh, the run went through them like water through a first-time Mexican tourist, Kyle. That's how bad it was, right? But Bishop Thomas, a transfer from Florida State on the defensive line, man, he's stepping up and making some plays, so keep your eyes out this fall for big number 95. All right, back to the Broncos and our game notes. You got them ready? I'm ready. All right. Hey, wet paper bag was good enough, by the way. Oh, I just felt like I needed to give you the full description. One of yourself. There was very little resistance there. All right, back on the other side with more on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Matt Smith and Kyle Reese. You know who you are. Everything beautiful. She's hot, hot like the sun. The loneliest one. We've got some great comments here on the Ramoslaw.com text line. 303-713-1043. Thanks, thanks for chiming in, you guys. A lot, of, a lot of kind comments. We really appreciate the sentiments. All right, you ready for game notes? You don't want to talk about the eye of the tiger? <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. You got your notes ready? Yeah, let's go, man. All right. Broncos lose 21-20, but we're going to start from Jump Street. Good place to start. 49ers started with the football. Brock Purdy gets the start last night. There were questions on that heading into the game, and he looked pretty good coming off that UCL surgery in his first appearance, man. He looked as sharp as all get out, and the 49ers with some great misdirection, I felt like. Debo got involved. Ayuk got involved. They made it all the way down to the red area up until the point where the Broncos bowed their backs defensively, held them out of the end zone. Now, on the fourth and two, I don't know if they go for it there in the regular season. I think they might. I think they might in the regular season, especially with the Shanahan offense, considering they got down there so easily. But I don't know. It was a good sign that the defense held up, I guess. A good sign that they held up there. I don't know if you noticed this throughout the game, but particularly on that drive. Broncos a little soft in coverage, right? Giving a lot of ground. Mm-hmm. And, and and even for Patrick Sertan, it's, you know, athletically, you don't have to do that, right? Yeah, they were playing off coverage quite a bit. Yeah, so yeah. you wonder if they're testing some stuff out or if they're just trying to play base in the back end to keep from tipping their hand week one. And as you mentioned, Sertan, Patrick Sertan did play in the game last night, which came as a surprise to most of us. We did not expect him to. At least I didn't, and he ended up going. Caden Stearns also played, who was limited in practice most of the week. He and Kareem Jackson started at both of the safety spots there. I think K-Jack is a pretty safe bet to make the team as well. Yeah. There was some speculation he may be a vet cut, but I think he'll be all right. And then Josie Jewell, TJ Jones, Nick Benito, the three players who were injured in the game last week. Josie Jewell poked in the eye, Nick Benito hip injury, and DJ Jones the concussion. Good to see he passed protocol. Now let's just let those guys take two weeks and rest up, huh? Yeah, there, there's a lot of guys that I was a little surprised to see. Josie Jewell was one of those huge ones because, you know, when you read the injury report, it's saying he was questionable for week one. So to see him get back out there and, and get some burn, him and Alex Singleton, man, they're just lunch pail guys. I, I don't need to see much more out of those guys. Russell Wilson 
comes out after the field goal from San Francisco to make it a 3 nothing game. I thought there were some good quick decisions early, Russell using his feet. Now, they started off with a heavy emphasis to get Javante Williams involved. We had heard from Sean Payton that the snap range for Javante would be around 10 snaps. They wanted to get him about four carries and at least one reception. Well, he drops the halfback screen right out of the gate that they set up nicely. It would have been most likely a first down. They had some yardage to work with. Then Russ comes right back to him in similar fashion like he did last week with Judy following the drop. Goes right back. I don't know that this one was maybe as necessarily predetermined as the last one was, but he found Javante Williams for a big catch. And look, I mean, Javante got a healthy amount of work last night. He really did. Hey, let's talk a little bit about that catch because Russell Wilson, again, had to escape the pocket. You know why? Because Ben Powers got beat on that play. Yep. And I'll give Russ credit in this. He's making quicker decisions. The offense is putting him in a better chance to succeed because they're not asking him to sit in the pocket, hang around, and do as much. Sean Payton's given him a couple of reads, and man, if it's not there, tuck and go. And that's part of the reason why I think he ended up pulling him after one drive, despite after the game saying that he expected heading into the game to give Wilson about 15 snaps, and he also wanted to see what Stidham could do with that first-team offense. The other thing that caught my eye on that first drive, how about a designed quarterback power for Russell Wilson in the preseason? Keep him guessing, Sean. <laughs> in the preseason. <laughs> Keep him guessing, man. And then we saw one of those underhand flips, you know, trying to make something out of nothing. Yeah, and see, and, and that Let's was just a not make that a rhythm, huh? Because that was Warner covering that. By the way, right? Like he's gonna come away with half of those. He's that kind of player. Good play by Javante Williams, but you, you know, miss me with that. I will say the one other thing I wanted to mention on on that second throw to Javante Williams. Russ could have escaped the pocket and tucked and run a little bit earlier. And I know we're talking about he's making quicker decisions, but I did see him step up into the pocket and then shuffle to the left. He really what he could have broken out of there and escaped because he did have pressure in his face, but he hung around. I'm starting to see little signs of progress here from Russell Wilson to the point where I get why you don't want to see anything more out of him out of the preseason now because he's going to have to game. He's just going to have to play off schedule. He's going to have to do what makes him great. Yeah. Not encouraged by that, but it's something. Buddy, that's him. Please come with the dog, man. They, They really do. But why is that? I mean, that was his winning formula. And I think last year there were so many times where they were just trying to make him something other than who he is. And ideally, you'd love your quarterback to play on time and on schedule. But if your offensive line is struggling, which, look, I think they got a little bit better, but there's still a lot left to be desired there. And hopefully over these next few weeks, they can figure it out. Yeah, there's a ton of thoughts on that. But that was part of the reason in Seattle, because they never had a great offensive line that he had to use so much of his athleticism. There's a difference between... Him using that to save his life and Patrick Mahomes using it because he's an elite athlete and he can just extend plays the way that he can. I I just it, it's not something that I want to continue to source throughout the course of a game and throughout the course of a season. It just lends to injury. He can wish in one hand and hope in the other and see which one fills up first. But yeah, I got news for you. Version of that. I got news for you. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna be running this year. Brett yeah. Maher ends up making the 48-yard field goal. Oh, one last note. We saw our first taste of Marvin Mims. There you go. Little contested catch there over the middle. Hopefully they start to bring Mims along more. I do wonder if he'll play next week. He's one of those guys, I think, on the bubble for me of potentially playing next week. Yeah, I, I think he needs to get um, – he needs to shake the yips a little bit and, and get that what, NFL What do you mean by that? Uh, well, this, that was the first time we saw him, right? But why is it yips? 
because he's a young guy who's got I don't a lot think that's to prove. I don't think that's yes. Yeah, no, I, I think for a young guy, you need to get out there maybe, and you need to take a hit. And maybe you need the nerves. To see what NFL speed is, all those things. What's the difference? Gips is when you constantly fail in the moment of greatness, right? And you have that in your mind, and you can't mentally get over that hurdle. Whereas, you know, nerves is just the fact that you've never done it before. So, yips, you've done it and failed quite spectacularly, probably, to be classified the yips, and nerves, just a little anxiety. There's no school on Sunday. There you go. Well, <laughs> classes in session. All right, moving on here. Broncos get a field goal. Good to see Maher, like you said, look good from 48. Uh, San Francisco comes back out. Broncos first team defense back out there because we knew they'd get 20 to 25 snaps. Sam Darnold only uh, into the game now, right? Brock Purdy only got one series, and that's all they needed to see. He looked just fine. Jonathan Harris with a couple of nice plays early. I think he has probably cemented himself as one of those starting D linemen. Yeah, and again, just a uh, a huge bonus because that was a huge question as we continue to progress through uh, the preseason here. So them being able to solidify and add some depth up front, that's huge. Damari Mathis with a nice pass breakup on that drive as well. Defense forces a three and out. Bit of a shank punt there from San Francisco who has troubles in their punting department. And we saw that Marvin Mims was the punt returner for this game. Did Montreal Washington even play last night? He did. He had a uh, kickoff return. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, to start the game he did. But Mims is at that punt return. And it kind of goes to what we've been talking about here for the last few weeks. If the Broncos get their druthers, they're going to end up cutting Montreal Washington. And, and that stinks because obviously that's the plan, and it, and it is what it is. But Montreal Washington hasn't done a whole lot to hurt his case in this preseason, but it's just the plan coming coming into fruition. Has he done a lot to help it? Well, three weeks ago we were talking about Montreal Washington flashing in every practice. Well, were we not? Guess what? We were also talking about that this time last year. So I'm not saying that we that we necessarily need to write him off. Maybe they can bring him back to the practice squad. I bet you he would get scooped up, though. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. Either way, I would imagine that that's a guy. If he did end up getting cut and clearing waivers, he'll wind his he'll wind his way back up on practice squad. If he doesn't make the fifty three, which right now I don't think it's uh, looking very good. All right, so the Broncos force a three and out. San Francisco second drive. Now here here we go. Now now here comes Stidham, and we're all going, oh boy. Like why is, why is Stidham coming out with the rest of the first team offense and Russell isn't? Oh well, maybe Sean Payton is like Russ. Hey man, cool it. I mean, three carries, 25 yards. He almost got killed on the last one there out of bounds. Let's let's just be smart about this. If this is what we're going to have to do, if we're going to struggle to hold up in protection, let's just wait until the regular season, then we'll just let you loose, right? Look, smart, smart call on that. Uh, and, and Stidham, again, you want to see more out of him. It's I think it's more, uh, it's equally an opportunity for Stidham as it is protecting Russell Wilson from himself. Interesting little wrinkle occurred on this drive. So Javante Williams comes back in, which was very surprising, at least to me, based upon what we'd seen out of that first drive. Javante looks good athletically, physically. Did it look, and I know he's playing with that knee brace, but did it look to you like he's playing with any major limitations? No, it doesn't. And and, and in traditional Javante Williams fashion, he got better as the game went on. Right. Right. So just uh, encouraging to see from that position. Very encouraging. It's not what I thought we would see. I thought we'd see a guy who was a little, maybe less burst, maybe less fire to him, maybe just trying to get his... Gunshot. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Good way. Good way to put it there. But he wasn't. Uh, Stidham drops a snap there, takes a sack, and then steps up, bounces back on third down, converts to Dulcich, who makes a man miss. All right. 
That's Dulcich. So that play right there brought up a very interesting question in my mind. Tim Patrick is gone. K.J. Hamler is gone, at least for this year, Patrick is gone. K.J. Hamler's off the team. Brandon Johnson dealing with the ankle. Marquez Callaway led the receivers last night for snaps. He was actually the second player offensively, you know, second leading snap getter offensively for the Broncos. But Greg Dulcich needs to be leaned on a little bit, Kyle, in my opinion, as their third receiving option. Third receiving, yeah. A little I, bit I more. I see that. Yep. A little bit more. Now, watch how Peyton uses him in terms of formation, splitting him out. Remember some of that old Jimmy Graham stuff, putting him out there on the numbers, matching him up. He hasn't been shy about doing it with his backs. I, I would anticipate that you're going to see him in some formations we haven't seen him in his rookie year. I just don't know what your third option is. What is your third option right now? Running back? Check down to the running back? I mean, ideally, we thought that Brandon Johnson and Marquez Callaway would be competing, but Johnson's been hurt the last two weeks with the ankle. Kids had some bad luck, man. I feel for it. I feel for him. Hopefully they can get him back later this week. I'm not exactly sure what the status is there. Marquez Callaway, he's gotten a lot of snaps, but I just haven't seen a ton. It's been a little disappointing. I thought he'd be a guy that could contribute for this Broncos team this year. Yeah, you you just this is going to be a scheme thing, right? How what do you want out of that third option? Are you wanting to present matchups or do you want a speed guy? Because a speed guy is going to be a little more difficult to find, but a matchup guy, you've got that in dosage. So uh, it's just you know count on them to lean into the personnel and, and try to get the best out of what they have there. So if Brandon Johnson is their plan as far as the third wide receiver, I'd like to see them supplant that a little bit with Greg Dulcich and give him maybe some of those snaps like you mentioned, spread out wide in that Kelsey role that we've seen work so well for Kansas City. I think Dulcich projects as that guy, and if that's his strength, lean into it if you have the opportunity to do so and you need a little bit of help there. Just my two cents. Uh, Samaje, a nice pickup there. Stidham got, st- uh, Stidham got sacked. Questionable call there in that bubble screen to Judy on third and 17. You know what I was talking? You know what I'm talking about there? They're going down. They get backed up. Stidham gets sacked. And then they run that little bubble screen to Judy on third and 17. And I, I understand what they were going for, but I'd rather them just hit like a little hitch or a slant and make that field goal shorter because you're most likely not converting third and 17 with Jared Stidham anyway. I've got the, I've got it marked down, but where was the ball at? I've got the down third and 16, 17, whatever it was. But where was the ball at? I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now. In that second drive for Denver, when they threw that to Judy, it was at the twenty-one. So it was third and sixteen from the twenty-one. Okay. I'd much rather you just give give me five more yards. My opinion. But are you are you picking up the third and sixteen? Third and sixteen from the twenty-one. At that point, it's what do you get? A thirty-eight yard field goal out of that? Yeah. I wouldn't. I'd be aggressive towards the end zone. Okay, right? you take a shot because a thirty-eight yard. You feel good about that. Sure, get better. I'd rather right? throw downfield than east to west on third and sixteen nearing the red zone. Kind because, of my philosophy because it's not a pick up half of it philosophy. It's it, you, you know you're not trying to get this to a manageable fourth down. But at the same time, you're also trying to make things a little easier on your kickers if you think you're going to get three out of it, and that's something that they failed at last week. Right, but if it was going to be a 48-yard field goal or 51, then I can that's see fair. and give me eight of that back. That's fair. Right, and like I said, whether it's a hitch, whether it's a slant, let's just go north and south instead of east and west right there at third and 16. I just didn't love the play call. All right, Maher knocks through the field goal. And we move on. Frank Clark on the next San Francisco possession gets into the game. He's got that big wrap on his wrist and his hand. And I like the fact that Frank Clark got so much run in this game. He didn't. Uh, but but I enjoyed it because we just haven't seen much of him. 
Now, I wonder if the Broncos aren't a little frustrated with Frank Clark, right? Frank Clark hasn't practiced a ton. They gave him 5.4 fully guaranteed. Maybe it, you know, maybe it was similar to the Randy Gregory situation. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But maybe it was similar to the Randy Gregory situation where he comes in a little bit more dinged up than maybe he let on. And you're, you're like, all right, well, go get your conditioning in. If you don't want to practice, get it in in the game. Super delicate, man, because you wonder with a veteran like that who has so much experience, particularly postseason experience, how much do you concede to him? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to be mindful of their health. You want to be respectful of what they bring to the table. But you also are trying to create a culture um, that uh, that is even across the board. So you don't want to you don't want to capitulate to the demands too much. Sure. Yeah. On this drive, the lack of corner depth stood out to me. Damari Mathis and Jaquan McMillan beat for completions by Sam Darnold on this drive. Outside of Sertan, I know they're going to get Riley Moss back eventually. I think I would keep an eye on the free agent corner market on August 29th, which is cut down day. I think the Broncos need a little bit of help there. Everybody's looking for You saw Ronald Darby just signed with the Ravens, right? Everybody is looking for those guys that can come in off the street, be a veteran, reliable guy. So I wouldn't say that's out out of the uh, realm of possibility. Yeah, because 800 NFL players become free agents on the same day, so you better be ready to go with bolts in the chamber there with targets, you know, locked onto. Uh, leaky yardage, Vance Joseph talked about this week, and Ryan Harris last night in the broadcast. Shout out to Nine News. You guys did a great job once again. Leaky yardage. The Broncos just not being able to cleanly wrap up and bring guys down, giving up one, two yards and a carry here or there. That's got to get tightened up a little bit, I thought, even from the linebacking core that was mostly starters throughout the majority of that first half. Yeah, it's just like, a, man, you value guys that can give you the extra one or two the after contact, but you want guys on the defensive side of the ball when they hit, when they hit you, you go down. Sure, so, sure. You, you got to stop giving up that extra. Broncos forced the punt. They would eventually. Then the second team offense would come out. We wrapped up with the first team offense. The first team offense in total got twenty three snaps. One drive with Wilson. One drive with Stidham, uh, Stidham rather, and they gained one hundred and seven yards and converted two field goals. Which, look, I liked what we saw the first team offense, despite the fact that we can all acknowledge that the offensive line and the passing game are still more than a work in progress, right? But they did effectively rush the football last night, which will be the staple of this team this year. Great amount for me. First team, though. I think last week I said C+. Plus. So this week I'd probably give them, God, it's going to be close. I'd probably go B-. minus. Because I think they ran the football a little bit better, and I like the way they did a few different things. And they converted. They finished. So there you go. I'll give you a B minus. It's not much. There's still plenty of room to grow. Plenty of room. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same ballpark on that. Uh, you know, And I'm going to maybe boost it up to a B for converting the third downs on the first drive. That's fair. Yeah. I think that's more than yeah. fair. Um, we saw the pass rush continually get home. The first team offense, like I said, the Broncos end up having to punt there after after that. They went three and out. Look, look, what I liked most about this first half is that, yet again, the Broncos held a team down. I mean, San Francisco was able to move the ball, but they just couldn't convert, right? Now, San Francisco couldn't convert last week against the Raiders, but a lot of it had to do with what the Broncos were throwing at them. The pass rush, Randy Gregory, Jonathan Cooper flashed last night several different times. Even Zach Allen. Even Zach Allen. I thought the Broncos' defensive line has looked very solid very solid. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, we could bring that up. All right, so the two-minute drill. 
Sean Payton buys the two-minute drill with three timeouts when San Francisco gets the ball back. Defensive line does a great job. They force the punt. Broncos get the ball back. 131 left on the clock. How do you like the way Sean Payton handled the two-minute drill? Uh, I believe it was three straight passes to the back out of there. It was Jones there. Um, Listen, I like the way he set it up. The execution of it was pretty good. Obviously, you get a big play that you're not necessarily bargaining for. You're trying to, as old-school Hank Strand would say, matriculate the ball down the field and, and hopefully get yourself a field goal opportunity. Hated the way that it ended, but it's a really quirky situation. So, But, uh, you know, the, the design and setup was really good. Probably shouldn't have even gotten there because Stidham threw a ball that should have been house-called on the play before the Virgil completion. But I digress. Nice route by Virgil. Even better move after the catch. Unfortunately, he goes down, had to be helped off. Toughness to hang out, you know, and and stick in there and try and get the playoff. Now, the Broncos didn't get the playoff. I guess Virgil this morning is going through MRIs, and we'll we'll wait to hear what the results of those tests are. Didn't look good. Yeah, when they showed that end zone view of it, you you saw his ankle get rolled under there pretty nasty. Tough play, man, and the guy that's on the fringe trying to make the team, you know, those things can – and, and when the instinct kicked in, right, mm-hmm. you know, he, he cut that thing back in. He said, oh, boy, okay, here we go. I hope right. he gets in. Um, but, yeah, man, kudos to him for hanging in there, being tough. And, and he's made some plays. He had a, a 25-yard run last week. You know, I, I just – he's one of those silent guys. He doesn't make a ton of noise, but he's made some contributions. In the second half, I thought you continued to see more of that pass rush, more of the defensive line. Elijah Garcia and Matt Henningsen, those two guys – are making a real case for the 53-man roster if they haven't already earned it. I think Henningsen was already safe. Garcia's going to make it, though. You have two sacks, you know, a quarterback hit, and a tackle for loss in week one. And in week two, you followed it up with a huge interception and more pressure on the quarterback, some plays in the running game. Elijah Garcia, I kind of feel proud of Elijah Garcia, shouldn't I? Like, I feel like you and I were the first ones on the station to be like, hey, Watch out for 95 here with some depth. Keep an eye, and and you mentioned it, uh, Ryan Harris on the call last night. Man, he's from Rice, smart kid. He's got two degrees. He's got his master's. Yeah, yeah, in in accounting and sports management, I think he said something like that. Uh, But, yeah, he's getting after it. And the combination of the two, you saw it on the interception play. Henningsen and Garcia, right, they're, they're guys that might be able to be a little bit more than rotational guys if they keep playing this well. Sure, and then... As the second half progressed, we saw Trey Lance eventually get into the ball game. He struggled early, but those final two drives, man, he really, really tore up Denver's reserves. And for everyone out there that's mad about VJ, and God, this has been the this has been the dumbest thing that I've seen to come out of this game. VJ's defense can't believe it. guys. Everybody who was on the field when the Broncos gave up the lead again is not going to be on this team in two weeks. Relax. We don't care. If you, if you are losing with Fayon Hicks and Braxton Key and Delonte Hood in week one against the Raiders, then we could have a conversation. That's not going to be the case. Just like Russell Wilson is going to play the whole game. So all of you who are frustrated with VJ's defense, understand what we saw to the majority of the guys who are going to play this season. Good pass rush. A little bit thinner in the secondary than I would have anticipated, Kyle. I don't know about you, but the other name we would be remiss if we didn't mention is Drew Sanders, who is really starting to pop. He had a great week of practice last night, seven tackles, and we've heard that they might mix him in with the pass rush. He had his hand on a on a pass last night as well. I don't know, man. They may have found somebody there with Drew Sanders. There's two guys in this draft that can run and hit. Right. Drew Sanders is one of them. 
J.L. Skinner is the other one of them. You caught, you saw him come downhill and, and spin a guy. I saw the first one. Yeah, I saw the first. The second one, I saw him bounce right off him and and it's almost give up a big play. It's the NFL, it, it, and it's, and it's going to happen. But you, you, I like the promise of those two and their size presents so much versatility. Uh, I, I'm excited about the player that they can gr- both grow into. Credit to Skinner. You can't really hit in practice like that, not the way that he likes to hit. So it's tough to really practice that much until you he's get out big. onto the game field. He's tall. He's got to get down. He'll be know? a practice squad guy. All right, coming up on the mm-hmm. other, other side, we got, we got some more to dive into here, as well as our depth chart movers. On Monday morning, what does the Broncos' depth chart look like based upon what we saw on Saturday night? Dive into all that next. Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Matt Smith and Kyle Reese. What you say? Matt Smith and Kyle Reese on your Sunday morning on Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan. Thanks for all the comments on the text line. Got tons to get to today, so not a ton of time for that, but we definitely see them and we appreciate them. There's no question about it. Wish we had four hours to get into all of it because we got tons, tons more on this bone. But that will have to wait. Let's talk about the depth chart. I think through this section of training camp, now that it officially wrapped up as far as the open part to fans this week, now you've made it through your mock game, you know, the mock trial. You're in the second game of the preseason. How do you feel about the depth chart overall? I will start with the the pleasant surprises. The defensive line is starting to fill in very nicely. Zach Allen is as advertised. Harris has been really good. And then the contributions of Garcia and Henningsen, uh, I I think you're probably going to say goodbye to Mike Purcell. Um, You might, or you might just put him on IR. Yeah, well, and, and depending, right? Yeah. yeah. So I don't think um, they're going to get rid of them, by the way. So there's, but it's starting to fill in nicely, and, and there were some unexpected contributions there. The linebacker group, obviously, you felt like solid, you were really solid inside. Losing Jonas Griffin kind of stinks. You know, there's there's some athleticism there, and he's really starting to come into his own. Kind of been a journeyman around the league, and, and so uh, I'm not here for the Jonas Griffith propaganda. It is. What there's it a is. reason why he ended up benched last year. You, you, you feel how you feel. Okay. Um, but I like Singleton Jewel there. Uh, so there's there's some promise there. And they got and Drew Sanders, and, and man. Drew Sanders is the bonus, right? You're right. getting a lot of bonus contributions. The secondary, you got to start scratching your head a little bit because you know whoever's playing opposite of Sertan is going to get some work. Right, so they got to be thick skinned They got to be tough, and uh, you know, so far, I, I, I think it's if I had to grade it out, it's somewhere around a B. But you, uh, there's still going to be some questions because you know they're going to be tested there. Yeah, I think the point you bring up at middle linebacker is valid inside linebacker if they suffer injuries. Right, you're going to miss Jonas Griffith if Singleton or Jewel, knock on wood, God forbid, end up going down. And Jewel missed four games last year. Did he? Was it four? At least. At least, yeah. You know, I'd have to look back at that to get those exact numbers. All right, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. Someone on the text line says, "I cannot believe you guys are complimenting this team when the coach had to pull his quarterback because the offensive line could not protect him and was going to get him killed." Look, guys, we're well aware of the struggles up front, but you also have to understand that there is progress there. Right there is progress there. Sure, the offensive line is a major concern, but you also have to evaluate it in the fact that the actual game plan 
isn't installed. They're still trying to work on their stuff and what they want to do. They'll start to get into that more, obviously, as the regular season goes along. It'll be a, a, a dive into the deep end. But if you are looking for signs of progress, it absolutely looks better than it did last year, which is how I'm evaluating it. You want to evaluate it in the lens of a playoff team, that's fine, right? No big deal for me. It just is going to leave you unsatisfied because it's an unrealistic expectation to start from. Look, it's a it's the most expensive offensive line in Bronco history, so I understand it comes with a certain level of expectation. Yes, I, myself, have been really critical of Ben Powers, rightfully so. He was leaky last night as well. Um, but at the same time, Jared Stidham came in and went five for five right out the gate, right behind that same offensive group because they stayed in after Russ went out. So it, it, there's there's some good things to take away from it. You remember they don't have their full complement of players. So I, I just think it's going to be a work in progress, but there, there's no plan B here. For the offensive line, so it's got to work. Right, and they don't even have their entire line yet. McGlinchey hasn't even assimilated, right? He doesn't even have that fire in the crucible time that you get in training camp. He was He's not going to be around for. The first time we're going to see Mike McGlinchey is against Max Crosby. And then the next week, it's it's against Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen and Chase Young and that entire commander's front that's extremely daunting. So, yeah, that's a concern. Don't get me wrong, but even still... There are signs of many signs of progress. There's some things to like and maybe some things to, you know, that, that, that definitely leave a questionable taste in your mouth. Some of this back end depth on the roster still isn't where it needs to be, but it is improved over this stage last year. Remember, guys, last year we're coming off the 42 15 Buffalo game in week two of the preseason where it looked miserable. Okay. So you just have to look at things from the 30,000 foot view. I want to talk about a few guys that, I, that I'm going to, bring out my Sharpie and just go ahead and pencil into the 50 and, and marker into the 53. Go ahead. Jaleel McLaughlin. He made it last night. Congratulations. You are a Denver Bronco. Elijah Garcia. I think he made it last night as well. Confirm that. Put a stamp on it. Congratulations. You're a Bronco. Isang Bassey. Back-to-back weeks with a pick. Bit of an up-and-down camp, but as far as a backup nickel, I think he's your best option. I think he beat out Fayon Hicks. And I think Isang Bassi has actually, throughout through two games so far, has looked nice, outside of just the two picks. It's going to be unpopular. It's, the jury's still out on Bassi for me. Okay. Well, who else would you want to be yeah, there? Yeah, I know. And you know there's, what? There's you, a huge conversation on that. But you if may you're, be right. If you're leaning on the picks, right? The pick was last week the kid fell down. Sure. This week, this one popped up in the air to him, and you see what he did. Anybody could have caught that, yeah, right? It was a fly ball to center. So, yes, he was in the right place. And, and, and the play, and he gets credit for him. But uh, I, I don't want to lean on those things to validate his preseason. I think that we could see them target a free agent corner, whoever gets cut. Maybe one of these corners that gets cut in camp. August 29th is cut down day. I just don't think it's going to be Bassey. I think they're going to look at an outside corner. I think Bassey has done enough, at least for backup nickel. He's not going to start there. That's going to be Kwan Williams. So, like I said, at least shout out to Bassey. He's had two nice preseason games in a row. Um, what about little Jordan Humphrey? Lil Jordan Humphrey played well last night. He did. He did. A lot. Is he the Seth Williams of this year's team? The big body, you know, maybe could give you something on special teams. I think if he makes this roster, it's out of necessity. Yeah, and and, and the injuries, you know, kind of have bumped him up that chart a little bit. It's not like he doesn't have NFL experience, right? He's been around. Um, 
it's it's tough. I I didn't think three weeks ago we would be in this position having this conversation about the back end of the receiver room because it it it, sent, it seemed so deep. Sure, before the injuries occurred, and so uh, look, man. I, if you told me he got cut tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised either. Tons more to get into. Unfortunately, we just do not have the time today. But I do want to report a little bit of breaking news from Adam Schefter this morning as it comes to this week for the Denver Broncos. And this is good news, I guess. Yeah, it's probably good news, at least for most Broncos offensive linemen. Aaron Donald will not travel with the Los Angeles Rams to Denver this week to participate in the preseason game or in joint practices. So yeah, it's good. Offensive linemen don't have to be worried about helmets being swung at their heads. That's a that's a good thing because it feels like every year Aaron Donald ends up getting in a get, getting in some sort of scrap in a joint practice because it's not just an isolated incident. Is it me or does it feel like Aaron Don, Donald is a uh, Donald has fallen out of love with football? I don't know. I don't know the guy. I don't yeah. know. I don't he's, know the, the rumors about him retiring last year and he's all. He's making thirty one point seven million. He's got plenty of reasons to love football. But I'll say this. He probably doesn't have as much fun playing, at least didn't last year, than he did the few years prior when they were trying to compete, right? So for me, I don't know if I can go that far. But either way, I just think the Rams are leave better off alone. Why don't you just stay? Apparently his wife is due any day now. Otherwise, he would be coming. You got to provide the context, brother. Well, I mean, I think it's a two-parter there. I think there's a two-part reason. Let's just... Let's just not even none of our business. Don't even yeah. worry about it. Let's Don't take, even worry about it, Aaron. Take care of a personal matter. Absolutely. So business. will we the rest of the day, and we hand you off to Judge Dan Jacobs. Thanks so much for hanging out with us on Sunday mornings on Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan. If you missed any of today's show, log on to denversports.com or wherever you get your podcasts under Fan Weekends. Matt Smith and Kyle Reese will be back with you next Sunday.